Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Renz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So I feel like we should do the obligatory happy holidays. Happy holidays, buddy. There we go. Yeah, no, it means that our podcast is going to show up on the internets. Who knows when? Yeah, we're we're moving things around, making it happen, though. So we're hoping that this is a little bit more on the timeless side. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah, so let's not discuss all the player transactions from last week. Well, I, I okay. Since you asked, I have to discuss, I have to mention one that happened a while ago, but like, I, why is Jonathan Scope on the Twins again? Like, it just, oh, I know. It filtered I, I back I into know. my conscious recently. And like, what is, what are they doing? Like, they're like, go Your out, team is nuts. Go out and get a second baseman like Brian Dozier, but cheaper. Like, Jonathan Scope. Oh, that was not right. <laughs> I keep on, I just, I keep on saying each time I, I watch the Twins, I'm just like, this is a team that should focus on defense. And then you make these moves that <sighs> throw defense out the window. That's a timeless statement right there. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> that is a timeless statement. It can go up anytime. Uh, all right. NFL, we're here. It's it's Christmas now. Um, the thing that I really want to mention is that, did you see that dropkick kickoff in the Seahawks game? I've not seen it, but I, I love it. <laughs> It's it's absurd. I mean, drop kicks in the NFL are nuts because it's not just a it's not like it's not like a punt, right? It hits the ground and then they kick it. That's the way they used to do it. I know, but that's insane. There's a reason that when like people say things like it had a bad bounce when footballs hit off punts. <laughs> oh, exactly. No, you have no I mean, it's crazy that even in this day and age, on turf and everything's like the same, it's really tough. It's really tough to kick a, a ball that's bounced. Imagine that in the '30s. I know. Yeah, it's not. It's not even a, like a perfect prolate spheroid. I've really been thinking about prolate spheroids recently, so this isn't. I'm sorry that that filtered into this podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh, and Vikings are still alive. As as the playoffs, they control their yep. own destiny now against the Bears this week, which is interesting. Bears probably want a man. Well, yeah, because the Bears probably play them. Uh, Very well could, yeah. Well, if the Bears, let's see, if the Bears win, the Vikings still have a 50-50 shot, but the Bears have to win and then the 49ers have to beat the Rams for the Bears to get to the two seed. Wait, what? <laughs> so the bear to get to the two seed, the Bears have to beat the Vikings, and the 49ers have to beat the Rams. Okay, so there's no point for them to win because they can just face the Vikings. Bingo. They let them win. Bingo. They face the Vikings at home. Fine. Well, I guess in theory, the Vikings could pass the Seahawks. So that's theoretically true, and I think the Bears would way rather face the Vikings than the Seahawks. 
Yeah. But the the odds of that, I think, are pretty low right now. They'd rather face the Vikings than the Eagles. Wow. Yeah. Coming down to the wire in the NFC. Anyway, so much for Timeless. <laughs> so... <laughs> This week on the pod, we're going to talk about fantasy rules. We're going to talk about how to select them in the first place, what rule changes, what rule changes can do for your league, and then we'll talk a little bit about ones that we've implemented in our league. Then in the second half, we'll talk about ones that we think that we're going to implement in our league. So here we go. I think actually the big thing that I learned over the past couple of years is that you actually have to play by to the rules in fantasy. It yep. is not just about amassing the best team and i say see my fantasy winning team this year that had no right to win being the best team but they were the best team given the rule set it's absolutely true <laughs> i we i think a lot of fantasy experts forget to mention that like you have to play to the rules of your league and there's no team like there's no team that's just going to win no matter what. You, you can't arrange... You're not going to be able to get a team that's just going to blow everybody out of the water. That's right. And that's so rare, and that's so lucky. And if you're able to do that, then your league sucks. No, that... Yes. Yep, that's absolutely right. And, ah, man, we're just inching ourselves closer and closer to game theory. Mm-hmm. Every time. <laughs> Just we're just getting okay. I, th- I really think season three is the is the game theory year. But I'm talking about game theory and it's <laughs> keeps on keeps on coming closer. But let's take a step back here and let's just have a quick shoot around on how would you discuss the rules in the first place, and or how do you how do you select those rules in the first place, and why change rules at all from year to year? Okay, those are two great. Let me just I'll, I'll just start with. How to select rules in the first place? It really depends on, on like what you're trying to accomplish with the league. Are you trying to make it as competitive as possible? Are you trying to make it reflect real, uh, real MLB baseball as much as possible? Are you trying to give it, make it as easy as possible? Are you trying to make the bar as low as possible to get involved? Let's hope you're not trying to make... Oh, oh, you mean easy in that way. Right. Well, like, like I'm specifically thinking about um, in TGFBI, it was ad drops once a week, schedule uh, roster changes once a week, and that was to lower the bar to make sure that everybody was able to stay involved as much as possible. Okay. I... That's... Those are three really good cluster centers for rules. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Um, and our league, I think we started out trying to be real baseball, our home league. And then we keep tinkering in pursuit of parity every year. In pursuit of parity and pursuit of um, trying to make changes based on the way that the league is going. Yeah, let me just ask if you were to start a brand new league which one of the clusters do you think you would go for of the rule sets? Parity, ease of involvement, and... Realism. Um, realism. I'm always on the uh, realism. 
piece, but though at the same time, I think ease of involvement earlier in a league and then change the rules to make to go to the other two. Yeah, of course. Why why would the fantasy tools suggest anything simple? Let's suggest, you know, a, a rolling rule set. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. But that gets us to the other point. Why change rules at all? And I think that's based on your observation of how the league is going. You make changes for the next year. You know, whether that's a redraft or whether that's a dynasty or whether that's a keeper league, you make changes. Right. Yeah. Any any of those leagues, basically you yourself should be considering what rules would make fantasy better for you. Right. And fantasy better by which you mean more enjoyable. Yeah, more enjoyable, but more enjoyable can break down into a few things like you know, uh, Oh, absolutely. increasing parity, for instance. So what I thought I would do now is we would think about our home league, which I think is a decent proxy, and talk about the rule changes that are up for this year, which sort of give a family idea of rules, and also a couple that we've had in the past years, and think about whether those were actually in service of what we intended to to do. Uh, two years ago, we tinkered with we really tinkered with parity by changing the the playoffs for by adding a playoff system for guys that were out of the real playoffs such that your redraft or your uh, your draft order seating was set by your late season performance no matter whether you were in or out right and that's it was sort of interesting way to keep people involved and make sure that people weren't just making their team a dead stick while also kind of incentivizing, well, it's incentivizing um, competition. Do you view, how do you view incentivizing competition? Do you view that more as the, the enjoyment for all factor? Because in principle, in a, in a, especially in any sort of roto or points league, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're dead stick teams because everybody is getting the same advantage. Uh, no. I don't think that's entirely true. I think that that making sure that everybody is competitive throughout is is uh, sort of hits all of those buckets. It makes it easier because everybody you can just predict that everybody's going to be playing, so it's you know reduces that vector of confusion. Okay. It makes sure that it's realistic. Everybody can be well. I guess. I mean. It's hard to argue that the Orioles really cared this year. <laughs> right. But they're competed towards something. And then it also kind of increases the parity. Okay. Because you don't want... I mean, because that's what everybody complains about is when the team that is in last place, you know, is up against the team that's in first place the last week of the season so that no one can has a shot. I, I mean, I understand that. I I do understand that people complain about that, but I think that year on year that should wash out. True. But but I think but in terms of a enjoyment of fantasy, it is more fun to actually play against people that are competitive. Yeah, I think that that was a rule change that we made that made sort of some intuitive sense, but I I think that it was really convoluted. So what about this one? where we adjusted the trade deadline. That was a, that's not realistic in terms of realism rules. And it's had mixed results, right? 
fewer teams are selling off all their assets for the next year and are actually just like either knuckling down or um, or giving up far earlier. So briefly, this was an attempt at getting to realism. Our home league switched the trade deadline up to early June as opposed to realistic MLB mid to late July, which was in response to complete fire sales where guys would sell every single thing that wasn't nailed down on their team. Yeah. So the idea was move the trade deadline up so early that you don't really know if you're going to be a seller or a buyer. And I think in that sense, it's been effective. But I yeah, it it has. I don't know if it's actually increased parity. <laughs> no, I don't think it really has because then you have teams that are just like that hit uh, shit hits a fan like two <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> I think it's. Great. I mean, I think it's made trades more irrelevant in our league. Our league isn't a trading lead a league, and I think that's sort of like a little bit like the expert leagues where everybody doesn't want to do something that's going to be embarrass them that people are going to point and laugh at it's true speaking as someone who's had several embarrassing trades yeah absolutely (laughs) all right let's talk about a rule that i actually liked and i felt like uh, we were ahead of the curve on last year we went from um well last year we added a dl spot and we'd already been at three so we have four DL spots, and I think that that's, based on the way that the league is going, especially with the change in the duration of DL stints, I think that was a really smart. I do too. This is a rare rule change that wasn't in response to something that happened in the past. It was in response to, I see what's coming, we should change this. And I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think that a lot of leagues should do that, because you don't want, number one, you don't want to... Um, you don't want to penalize people for having players that get injured in the, in the middle of the season, and then number two, you don't want to let you don't want to let a guy off the hook for um, you know complaining that everybody's on the DL. Yeah, man, everybody, like every team has to face that, and so might as well just face it head on, so that people don't have that excuse. Is there? Can you think of any downside to this? I actually can't. I don't think. No, not off the top of my head. I'd be happy to hear it, though, if so one of our listeners wants to talk. Let us know about any interesting rule changes from your league. In the meantime, here's a preview of the movie that we're going to watch next week. If you're, listening, if you're listening to all these NBA players, we never went to the moon, so we mustn't have ever, you know, gone out of our, out of our atmosphere. Oh, don't even. Yeah, that proliferation of the NBA is just unbelievable. I don't understand the flat worlding stuff. So, uh, okay. We're clearly not flat worlders. <laughs> All right. Rule changes upcoming for this year. Proposed. Is these it this one has been presented as though it is it should be a done deal. The snake draft. Is the snake draft dead as a fantasy construct? I mean, a lot of people would say that you should, it's auction or bust. Yeah. Um, which just means that it's a, it's a, that gets away from that cluster of making it easier for people yeah. to, to get into. Agreed. Real, I would argue that that's mostly towards the realism because that's, I wouldn't even argue that that's parody. <laughs> 
But it's you have to be a keeper or a dynasty league to get rid of a snake draft. You cannot do a snake draft in um, in a redraft league, entirely entire redraft league. You okay. know where every season is totally independent. I agree with that. So I actually have we were talking about this briefly, and we're I was thinking about what is actually the main complaint here because it was presented as though it was a value thing, and so I looked at the values of the guys that just went in our home league um, at the beginning and end of the beginning of the first round, end of the second round. So that is one plus 24 then in the middle of both rounds and then at the turn. So in 2018, if you picked first in the draft and then 24th, you got Severino and Giles. (laughs) If you picked at the midpoint, you got Chris Davis, Chris Davis and Robinson Cano. And if you picked at the turn, K Chris Davis, you picked at the turn, you got <laughs> Fam and Pollock. <laughs> wow, that's a whole bunch of awful players. In 2017, if you did this, you got Stanton and Hendricks, Chapman and Davis, and then at the turn, you got Iglesias and Sanchez. My takeaway from this is that the turn guys are better. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That's the whole point. Yeah, I understand that I'm illustrating the, the point that was made <laughs> to support this rule change, but... I wanted to have some actual hard numbers to back it up or some hard like details to back it up. I think it's it's true. It's, it makes intuitive sense as well cuz would you rather have um pick number 61 or would you rather have pick number 72 and 73 in a draft? Yeah, sure, but at my but my point is is that my other point is that from a value standpoint, I've done some draft value curves looking at how much you should spend in an auction. And by the time you get out to the fifth or sixth round, it's fairly flat. I mean, to the point where where random fluctuations mean more than the intrinsic value of the player. Yeah. So then I was starting to think about, and we argued a little bit about this, is the true value of doing that actually in the information content? meaning that you know more about your second pick and you can plan better if your two picks are really close together. And that's why the turn is always sort of valuable no matter what because you have you can just make two picks at the same time. You yeah. don't you're not like, okay, well I'm going to reach on this guy hoping that a guy is going to be there in 12 picks or 18 picks or 20 picks, whatever the heck it is. So yeah, I think that it does help. But that means to me that it's not just a pure value of players argument. It's actually a a knowledge-based argument. I I think that in that context it makes a, even more sense. I unfortunately don't know how to quantify that, so if nope. anyone else has any <laughs> thoughts, I am I am very down to discuss that. Game theory. All right, other change. This is kind of a pet project of the pod, actually. Uh, roster construction. Pitchers in general versus starting pitchers versus relief pitchers. We've said a lot about this. Is there anything else that we need to add that we haven't already said? I, I don't think that there is. Just to summarize, the idea is that you have the traditional way of thinking about fantasy. And by that, I mean the way that you think about it at like the turn of the millennium was you have... <laughs> You have starting pitchers who are going to start games, get a bunch of innings, get a bunch of Ks. You have relief pitchers who are um, going to close games, or if you're in a league that has holds, you're going to hold games. 
and then you don't care about middle relievers. Yeah. And then we've shown over the last couple of years with the best Ardo strategy that you can make a real go at things if you have starting pitcher eligible relief pitchers because they can accrue enough innings of like really elite stats that they can combat with a traditional lineup because the starting pitcher innings is going down. Yes, that's absolutely right. And so this rule change is to kind of address that and say, okay, if you want to do a bestardo strategy, then do it at face value using the just pitcher slot. Or it really kind of changes... It, it makes sure that you can do more strategies and it's kind of cool that we could maybe have like more different strategies involved in the league. Yeah. Here's the crazy part to me is that this actually hits two of those legs of rule changes in the sense that it increases parity because you can have many more uh, strategies, but it also accidentally is more realistic because of the way that people are being used in the MLB now. Yeah. Guys like all of the Rays pitching staff that are not eligible for traditional starting pitchers and yet are out there pitching the uh, nearly the same volume of innings as your, you know, your typical starter, quote unquote. And I think historically when I've played in leagues that have had just a pitcher slot, you end up seeing more teams go the two directions of I'm going to go um, save heavy or I'm going to go wins and K's heavy. And so this is just, uh, this is just actually finally that means like more. <laughs> you know, it's not just two directions. This might even hit the third one as well. That this actually might make fantasy easier. True, because you don't have as many people kind of gaming the system. I'm all for a pitching slot. Just this is a this is a rule change that legitimately might hit all three clusters. I don't know about the way that it's been um, presented in our league, the e- exact way that it's been presented, but I think that that we can get come to an agreement. I agree with that. All right, so just for fun, I built a a mock pitching staff here, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Which is if you. Uh, you need we're switching to a 40 inning minimum per week as well and we have seven active pitching slots i think you would need to roster a crazy number of relievers but then i actually looked at the 2018 stats they're pretty funny so what would you think this is actually a good a statistically good team with ryan stanick seth lugo tyler glass now brad keller kenta maeda ryan yarbrough julius Jacin, carlos martinez and ross stripling and those actually are guys that you could put on a single team yeah, and that would be a decent... Wow. That's crazy. So that would be a workable team? Yeah. Yeah, wow. the the ERA is sub three. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> On that team. And and they, they each produce enough innings that... Or, you know, it was in 2018. Who knows if it'll look like that in 2019. And they each produce enough innings that you can hit... I think you could hit the minimum per week. It's insane. That's insane. That's ridiculous. Like, you add a couple extra pitchers. If you added an actual closer on there, that's like a this is a this is a team that you get between rounds like eleven and fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're able to do that, and then you have you're able to win one, two categories pitching, then you have just a stacked offense. Penalties? You want to talk penalties? 
we don't use any penalty categories, uh, should we? K's is it's becoming more and more difficult to avoid um, K's for hitters being a penalty. I agree with that. I think in a couple, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't think our home league will ever go there because we're just not we're not a penalty league. And I feel like if you penalize on the pitching on the hitting side, you might want to try and find something to penalize on the pitching side as well. Blown saves. I mean, but is that really the counter? Then you just move to the only starting pitchers, so there's no chance you get blown saves. It's almost like you, it's it's the uh, pickup sticks. <laughs> you, you move one, and everything else changes. Well, I I mean I I think that's that's a great point and one that I wanted to make during this discussion, which is that any rule change might have changes everything. Yeah, yeah. it has crazy unintended consequences. You better wrap this sucker up. You told me that I should care about the NBA at Christmas. It's Christmas. Do you care about the NBA now? I'm disappointed in the Celtics, so less I'm... than I should. But yes, this is. I'm starting to think about it. I'm starting to see the the NBA standings and start to get worried. Give me the over under right now on what seed the Celtics get going into the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. They're fine. But are they going to get to the top half? <sighs> I mean, the the clear over under is three and a half. Three and a half. I would That's take not... the I would take the under there. Under there. Yeah. Could two of the Bucks, Pacers, and Seventy Sixers drop below them? That's the real question. It's I, just a three game I, gap. I think it's more like, to me, it's do the Pacers drop under the Celtics? Because I just I do not see the Bucks and the Raptors falling behind the Celtics. No, the Raptors won't, but the 76ers. Could you get get the? Could could the Celtics jump over uh, two of two the Bucks, of the Pacers, Pacers and 76ers. 76ers? Um, how many games? How many more games do the Celtics have against the 76ers? Because they have their, <laughs> I don't know. they have their number. <laughs> yeah, they do. That about brings us to the review session. Sherlock Holmes, a study in pink, and what was uh, the blind banker? The blind banker, yeah. First of all, always nice to see Frodo and Smog reunited. Yep, absolutely. Frodo and Smog. Second of all, a little more this chummy. Was, this was just as good as I remember it being. It is. It's pretty good, and and uh, and I don't know if any of our pre-pod um, fawning is going to get in here, but you know, it's. They fail in the right direction, in this kind of like amateurish failing direction, which we, I think we both are, are appreciative of, or like accepting <laughs> of. That feels like sort of shade being thrown at us, but okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but it's be- I think it's better than some of the, like the last two seasons were like, just too out there too ridiculous too full of themselves i agree with that did you the it's it has sort of all a lot of the hallmarks of the the early 2010s in terms of cinematography did you i don't remember did you ever watch house of cards yes i did this has a very similar aesthetic yep to that yeah and like way too many 
overlays <laughs> like oh and now he's in a in the back of a cab and we're overlaying this on something else like no don't don't do right. that <laughs> there's a map on top of the cab drive and then on top of someone else split screening yeah yeah like oh don't don't do that that's, that's very busy much. just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> i think i think that's exactly what sort of the situation this was this is a we we got back into a movie with or a show with no spectacle this was all pure thinking yeah i kind of like that i i let's be reductionist here we don't need the spectacle always sometimes it's Uh fun no i i agree with that i think we might actually tend away from spectacle i think we're very good about obligatorily seeing the spectacle and the spectacle is just plain sherlock's massive intellect yeah but that's not enough for the the average i would say american movie going consumer yeah i i agree yeah that's not enough he's just out thinking everybody and able to do ridiculous things so is this what true detective should have been No, I liked. I well, I, we've got another True Detective season coming, right? We do. That's why I'm, it's why it's on my brain. Mm. No, because Sherlock is just too like too smart. Okay, so you view this as something completely distinct from that. This is sort of another thing that I thought. I mean, I I, I haven't watched very many of these, but it feels like this is this is spawned sort of a. Um, a chain of knockoffs on TV where you try to have a, a crime solving super genius, but they don't, I don't think they do it as well as this one. It's hard to, it's hard to, because it's, it is the original try crime solving. And I'm sure that, you know, someone predates Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but yeah. um, he was probably ripping someone off. But this is the the original, so it's hard to hard to kind of beat it. And they did such a good job of updating it to the twentieth, twenty first century. What are we doing this week? I'm considering the biggest sci fi movie that I know of. Apollo thirteen. Oh. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!